December 6th, 2023. It's a beautiful day here. I can't complain. I can't. Uh, you know, definitely not looking at charts. <laughs> <laughs> Would never do that. Yeah, it's somewhat turning into a, <clears throat> a bad habit of mine, checking prices before I go to sleep and when I wake up. <sighs> Well, I'm so setting myself the, up well, for pure... the bull market. I, I, I sent out a tweet uh, last night. Um, I said, let me pull it up quick. Class of 2017 checking in here. The start of the bull is when people begin to talk themselves into buying things, a sort of fidgety energy, when greed takes over instead of fear. As a builder, one environment is much easier to build in. So like, it's much harder to build in a bull market than a bear market, in my opinion, just because there's just there's so much more noise. And I think when communities become greedy, the people lose their long term approach and kind of rationality and logic in the name of just kind of impulsive, emotional FOMO. So in I, I think the sign of a good builder is how patient are they with respect to a roadmap in a bull market? I, I think that's like a really big differentiator. Yeah, I feel like I'm setting myself up for either pure euphoria or just like setting myself up for a bad day if I'm I'm banking on checking prices uh, in the morning and when I go to sleep. But, you know, it is like you said, you know, it's uh, bull markets are distracting. Everyone likes seeing number go up. Yeah, but the you know the the good news is, um, it is it is fun to see the hope piece of it, right? Like, yes, I don't like the greed side of bull markets, but I think the people that have absolutely bled the last two years with us, you know, they they deserve to they deserve to have some fun. They they deserve to see kind of the the market play out in a way that says, hey, you you went against the grain. You held shade, you held secret, and you're going to get rewarded for that. Like that's I, I am happy for those people, and I and I celebrate those people. They they deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I know I know we have people in our community who have been through multiple cycles already. Personally, this is uh, this is like my first complete cycle. Uh, I guess coming coming to an end. So. I'm interested from a personal perspective to see, you know, what this feels like. I've, <laughs> uh, as sad as it is to say it, I, I've never gotten to really taste, uh, get a taste of the bull run. So I'm excited to, to kind of see what that feels like. And also, you know, it, it just so happens that there seems to be this resurgence of, of privacy as this a really important piece of 
of blockchain technology and crypto in general. So it's like uh, getting to watch two beautiful things happen happen at the same time. Yep, and it's it's our job as builders to not lose track of the fundamentals, the the ethics, the vision, and the product roadmap during all of this. So um, we're gonna have a great opportunity to continue to ship and continue to tell the same story that we told during the bear market. It, nothing fundamentally, nothing has changed except money is pouring back into the space. Um, and like one thing I think is really interesting is as somebody who's been here since 2017, you'll, you'll hear people point to price down as like, oh, they're bad builders. And then like when price go up, like, oh, you're a genius builder, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, the, the sentiment swing on how people view a project based off of price is very much detached from the hours and the efforts that have been put in behind the scene. So I think just like not letting the bull market get to your head as a builder, kind of like killing your ego um, is like really, really important in a bull market. Like you, you, ha you have to kill your ego. Like price go up isn't because we've magically done some 10x thing in the last week, right? It's, it's just the markets doing markets. It's just volatility doing volatility. Um, what we can control though is the products we build, uh, the people we partner with, um, and the relationships that we build, right? That's, that's what we can control. So control the controllables and the things that are outside of your control, don't claim credit for them, except that they're a part of broader entropy and, and you can enjoy it, but kill the ego. Well, on that note, I, I think what we uh, kind of kicked off this uh, little pre-Twitter space discussion with a perfect segue into what I was hoping for us to talk about today. and. Like, you know, I wanted to, we spend a lot of time thinking about uh, like pure product and I think it would be helpful, especially with uh, what seems to be a changing of tides and market sentiment and take a, take a broader look at the overall market and how that affects DeFi protocols like, like Shade, you know, everything from uh, new liquidity pools, new support for assets, how people are shifting their LP positions uh, in response to changing market conditions, you know, what this, what this potentially means for new vaults, new existing or existing vaults uh, with updating parameters. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I, I think it would be uh, somewhat worthwhile to kind of talk about how um, how some of the recent inflation proposals uh, relating to Cosmos and Secret Network, um, how those affect LSDs, DEXs, borrowing lending protocols, etc. Yeah, I think, you know, when we're looking at new LPs, we look at like the past month or so, uh, we've had four big, uh, four big listings on ShadeSwap. Um, those include uh, support for wrapped ST ETH pools, support for TIA, support for DYDX, and support for FINA. Um, and I think there's a lot we can really dig into looking at these uh, four new assets that are supported on ShadeSwap as they tell a really interesting story about uh, changing dynamics within markets as well as like how people are looking to position themselves uh, you know with these changing market conditions so I'm not sure if there's any of these in particular you want to you want to kind of kick this off with Carter all of them are interesting to me um, so I'm just curious if any of them tickle your fancy in particular 
I, I can sense your energy and enthusiasm for all the topics. So I'll, I'll let you run with it. And uh, maybe I can be, maybe I'll ask some questions for you. Like as, as, you, as you start to go, maybe we can flip the script here today and I, I, can, I can try to point them your direction. Sure. I'm down for some switching up. Uh, then let, I would say let's start with FINA just because they, uh, they're they the closest project uh, out of the ones that I mentioned or tokens mm-hmm. are the ones that I mentioned that uh, that is closest to Shape Protocol. The FINA team is a close collaborating team uh, with Shape Protocol team. And we're currently working on um, currently working with them uh, to be able to integrate ShadeSwap and Silk into some of their existing products. Um, all the shade dApps have already been integrated into their mobile wallet, which is really, really awesome. So people can interact with all the shade dApps, um, you know, from a native mobile wallet that's, um, you know, very focused on providing these, uh, providing support for privacy preserving dApps. Um, currently, the FINA team is working on getting their FINA card into production, you know, out of uh, beta phase. And I believe they're looking on launching that in Q1. Um, and, you know, as they're preparing for this milestone, they decided to launch their first DEX listing uh, for the FINA token on ShadeSwap. And this makes sense for a variety of reasons. But, you know, the synergy between our two teams, um, you know, the, the desire to explicitly support privacy preserving DeFi um, kind of makes, you know, in my perspective, kind of makes us a match made in heaven. Um, specifically looking at the liquidity for the FINA token on ShadeSwap, seeing as this is their first DEX listing. Um, we've been able to help them build up liquidity for the FINA token through POL matching deals, as well as also uh, providing both FINA and Shade incentives uh, to users to help continue building that liquidity, uh, creating additional exposure for the FINA token. Um, and I guess, you know, being able to, for anyone who isn't aware of uh, what FINA is and, and why someone would potentially want the FINA token, um, being able to acquire FINA for later use to uh, like being able to stake FINA and acquire spending discounts on their FINA card once it's in production. And like I said, I believe this is um, slotted to go live in Q1 of 2024. Um, but being able to acquire FINA in a privacy preserving way that exposing your balances is really crucial for maintaining that spending uh, and staking privacy. Um, and unlike uh, most of the other assets that I mentioned previously, who also have relatively low circulating supply relative to um, total supply ratio in the Cosmos ecosystem, uh, FINA is a DApp, right? They're not uh, layer one or it's not a uh, like a, a layer one protocol. It's built on an existing layer one. Wrapped STETH is obviously different. I, I was more referring to TIA and DYDX here. Um, but while the dynamic between market participants and the DApp are slightly different than those of um, like the dynamic between market participants um, and uh, FINA are slightly different than those of the L1s that uh, I want to talk about in a little bit. I think we'd be a little foolish to dismiss the value of privacy during the early days of adoption. And, and FINA is a really great example of uh, the value of privacy here. Um, you know, as whales look to start or continue building their positions during these price discovery phases, um, from our perspective, it's increasingly important that these individuals are guaranteed the right to, to digital privacy and DeFi. Um, so I guess my, my first question would be like, when you're, th- Carter, when you're thinking about, you know, these, these new assets being introduced to DEXs, regardless of if it's on ShadeSwap or, 
on shade or if it's on another dex um i'm curious what you think about the value of uh privacy in relation to uh individuals building positions um you know my my mind immediately goes back to the early days of eth you know where you can acquire hundreds of eth for you know uh, $1,000 or, you know, building up these large positions that end up turning into something that's, you know, really, really valuable <clears throat> a few years down the line. And, and I'm sure quite a few of those holders wish that they had a little bit more privacy for their balances, their transaction histories. Um, and so this is something that at Shape Protocol, we're able to help provide this utility um, for users during these price discovery phases. And this is something that is common across TIA, DYDX, um, and Fina wrapped us teeth is kind of a, a whole different deal. But I'm just curious about like what you think uh, about the value uh, of that digital privacy in relation to price discovery. I think it's a very underrated value proposition. I mean, th think think about this. Like, where where else in crypto? can trading strategies and wallet movements be so intimately and easily integrated into a DeFi experience like this, right? So I think the more money that pours into the space, the, the larger the, the leverage and the larger the stakes, the more a DeFi ecosystem like Shade just makes sense. And it's, it's really hard to compete with that, right? Like the moat, that has been built represents over two years of just grinding away at this thesis. So I think it's, I think those, those kind of trading strategy protections are super strong, super underrated. Um, I think also another really cool thing I'm seeing emerging is I'll ask you a question about this. How do you, how do you feel about the fact that shade protocol is becoming the home for private token launches as in like Finn is launched here. Um, I think search is something that we're looking into launching here. Um, things like shill token being here. How, how do you feel about these native privacy projects launching on shade as a starting point? What does, what does that make you feel? And what do you think that, um, what's kind of your prediction around that? Well, I, I would say from the perspective, uh, from like shade protocols perspective, it feels like we are helping further the development of uh, both other DeFi protocols and uh, just privacy preserving DApps in general that want to have a, a token that provides governance power utility um, to their community members. And so I think ShadeSwap being able to facilitate, um, you know, the, this introduction of this asset into the market and being able to do so in a privacy preserving way somewhat sets a standard that is going to be really hard to beat for other assets. Now, there, there are obviously other things that projects look into uh, when they're considering listing opportunities, um, and that you know that that includes the amount of daily volume, how many active users you have on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, um, your your depth of liquidity for some of these uh, for the assets that it's being paired against. All of these are really important, and these are things that Shade Protocol is currently competing on uh, with other prominent DeFi ecosystems within the cosmos. But there is something that Shade provides that no one else in the cosmos can provide. And if they do want to provide this, like you said, it's, we have this moat that is you know, coming on two years that we've built 
to be able to provide this natural privacy preservation for um, both the the listers of this token, you know, the projects that we're listing uh, with, but also market participants who want exposure to these assets. And so I think, you know, I, I don't want to say this cements shade protocol as like, you know, one of the most, uh, say, I would say most beneficial uh, things right now to helping proliferate privacy preserving DeFi and secret network. Obviously, teams have to want to continue building. Teams have to want to continue providing novel solutions uh, that solve problems. But there are steps along the way to being able to reach out and provide that utility in a material way to your user base. And one of those is providing access to those uh, tokens that provide your governance or utility. And you know, Shade Protocol being able to be that sort of critical piece of the puzzle to, to allow or to help with that exposure is, um, you know, really encouraging from our perspective. It helps us build uh, better relationships with other builders in the secret network. It helps other participants in the Cosmos, other builders in the Cosmos ecosystem realize that they have other opportunities for listing. You know, the it, you know, I don't mean to say this in a way that's uh, derogatory, but like the days of the assumptions that osmosis is where everyone gets listed are, in my opinion, gone, right? There are more options out there for individuals and uh, the value proposition that ShadeSwap provides for uh, listing assets is, it's going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, and I, and I think just the the groundwork that has been laid is so strong. Because most most private DeFi suites in crypto have struggled from a couple perspectives. One of them is UI UX friction. Uh, like whenever you have these privacy primitives, you have to add in things like viewing keys and permits. Um, and you know, Shade because it spent over two years obsessing about the UI UX. I would invite anyone who hasn't checked out the app since 2022, go look at app.shapeprotocol.io, go interact with it. It's, it's a top tier experience. So the groundwork around multi-execute transactions and the UI UX has really positioned the Shape Protocol experience in such a powerful way. Um, another piece of the puzzle that I think all of Cosmos is gonna benefit from in this next cycle is more and more EVM um, wallet integrations. So we allow you to use MetaMask natively in the, in the app. Super powerful. A lot, a lot of privacy projects that are kind of their own proof of work chain or just kind of like out on an island, they're very far away from being able to integrate with the wallets that everyone kind of knows and loves, right? So not only do we have the UI UX groundwork, we have the wallet groundwork done. And then the third piece of the puzzle is really the utility. You know, like privacy, sending money from A to B privately, it's a strong use case, but there's so much more that people want to do. They want to be able to trade. They want to be able to stake. They want to be able to lend and borrow uh, and leverage and transfer their value into something that's a stable store of value. Uh, they want to be able to govern. They want to be able to transfer that yield back to their everyday life. And in three to four months from now, all of those verbs I just described, Shade will have ready to go. 
Um, it is the most advanced private DeFi suite in crypto by a very large margin and could not be more excited about all the groundwork that has been laid. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a perfect segue. I want to get into the fun stuff now, talking about the tokens who seen some crazy price action with over the over the last month or so um, and their recent introduction into the Cosmos ecosystem. And that's uh, Celestia and DYDX. Um, you know, both of these are are really interesting assets uh, and pools from our perspective um, as they're both kind of in their infancy, like infancy in quote stages in relation to building out validator sets, establishing communities within the Cosmos. Um, and obviously both have exposure to other ecosystems outside the Cosmos, notably Ethereum, but being built using the Cosmos tech stack gives them additional exposure and utility. One of those utilities that comes, you know, with inheriting that tech stack um, that they've, well, they've chosen to inherit it is IBC and the ability to use tokens, uh, you know, these native tokens, TNDYDX outside of their native chain. And it just so happens that one of the best places to find novel utility for these tokens is in uh, Shade Protocol's private decentralized financial suite. Um, you know, considering both of these projects are relatively new, uh, circulating supply is low relative to total supply, one being a little bit more contingent on, on just token migration, talking about DYDX here, uh, which in its own right introduces an interesting dynamic. But, um, you know, talking about uh, DYDX here, um, you know, if we assume that migration is constant uh, and fairly minimal, um, or at least predictable, the, the largest active recipients and earners of, uh, of DYDX are validators um, and traders. And this represents a really interesting market dynamic uh, that, you know, Shade Protocol is able to somewhat leverage. Um, you know, effectively validators outside of existing holders on Ethereum are main groups of individuals introducing new supply of DYDX into the market. And, I know this is somewhat of a potentially controversial statement, but we know validators generally will sell some of their commissions in order to achieve some level of break even for operation. Uh, no, validators would never sell. What do you think? <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, in our opinion, uh, or maybe I'll just uh, put this on myself. In my opinion, I think this is completely rational and expected. Um, and so from Shade's perspective, we believe that we offer, um, you know, one of the most valuable services for validators and prospective buyers uh, to interact and, and interact with each other in a way that preserves everyone's privacy. Um, you know, I, I love the statement as, as much as uh, some people might disagree with me here, but gone are the days where anyone can track validator addresses and their on-chain activity. Um, Shade Protocol via ShadeSwap offers validators the opportunity to Swap these earned commissions for Silk, our privacy-preserving over-collateralized over stablecoin, or for any other token available on ShadeSwap. Um, and, you know, I, this, this just makes me think about the relationship between privacy-preserving DeFi and critical stakeholders supporting Layer 1 networks, specifically talking about validators here. Um, you know, we often when we talk about, uh, you know, the... The cons of public DeFi and the value extraction that uh, participants in public DeFi are subjected to, you know, we often don't talk about we or we're, we're talking about market participants. And while that technically does include groups like validators and builders, um, we're we're mostly talking about traders and people um, who are, 
just users participating in DeFi, but more specifically with builders and validators, we've seen over the past six months, you know, numerous times where builders, validators are getting called out for taking DeFi positions that um, might be not received well by uh, their respective communities. And, um, you know, while the communities obviously have a right to their own opinion, I think that there is value in being able to help preserve the privacy of these builders and validators um, while being able to effectively, you know, manage operations, uh, financial operations of their, uh, of their entities and their services in a privacy preserving way. And so this just naturally makes me think about like this synergistic relationship between builders, validators in the cosmos and, uh, and shade protocol. I, I'm curious if you have any uh, initial thoughts uh, on this. I think my favorite example is you don't know your neighbor's mortgage. You don't know how much debt your neighbor has, right? Like we, we interact with our entire society with kind of this baseline privacy. And it's, it's, it's very, I think, I think it's just like very important, right? It's your decisions, your finances, your data. And in crypto, we kind of said total transparency is this is this feature, and there's components of it that's that's a feature. But I think I think the late game I envision is the vast majority of decentralized finance migrates to private DeFi. And then what would be really powerful is when these stakeholders choose to disclose and make transparent their private data. Because how, how powerful is that statement? Hey, I'm, I am a validator. I'm going to completely disclose my viewing keys. You can see all my asset transfers. You can see all my encrypted data, right? But I think the key there is like the, the sovereignty as a stakeholder or as a user to keep your data private or to make it public. And then it's really up to the customers and the users to decide like how much do I value that kind of um, that transparency. Some people will care more about that than others. But the problem is within this totally transparent panopticon, I call it I call it toxic transparency, right? Like you can't hide. Everything's totally publicly visible. And there's there's large pieces of 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 context and reputation um, where people can just make assumptions shout it out to the world and damage people's reputations for how they use their money and their finances. And, you know, like a devil's advocate will say that there's advantages to that. Um, and I would say I would agree. And I think there's also massive disadvantages if the future of finance is an unescapable world of total transparency. Because um, the government and censorship hasn't even really begun yet on the Web3 side of things. so. You know, we got to draw the line in the sand now, protect your privacy, protect your sovereignty. Um, and Shade's had this vision for years and will continue to, to push for that. Yeah, I, I just can't help but think about, you know, like the, the, the mediums in which we interact with each other um, are, are very public. 
you know, we think about crypto Twitter is the main place where uh, delegators interact with their validators, delegators interact with protocols, they have questions, you know, maybe you're uh, in Telegram groups or Discord groups, right? And it's very easy for uh, decisions, whether it be financial, uh, operational, to be taken out of context or misunderstood. And, and I imagine this selling of commissions uh, is one of those things that can be potentially um, looked at in a, in, a, in a negative way, even though this is something that it might be essential to ensuring a validator's uh, ability to continue providing their services. And so I just can't help but think about the value that this brings to um, you know these critical stakeholders of networks to be able to do their business uh, on their own terms, be able to share their information on their own terms with delegators and be able to effectively um, take control of their own narrative uh, in a way that is beneficial to them and their delegators, you know. I think the statement. I think we can make the statement that most validators are not operating in a malicious way and are not looking to uh, subvert their delegators, but being able to give. I mean, validators are just like delegators in the fact that they all deserve, uh, you know, this digital privacy, and so expecting delegators to have some sort of unbalanced amount of privacy relative to uh, the entities that they stake with is. It that part doesn't click in my head, so. You know, I, I just think that this is a really unique relationship that Shade Protocol can build with some of these other critical pieces of the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and, you know, the, the relationship between ecosystem and market participants for DYDX are, are actually very similar for Celestia, although Celestia, maybe we can call it more of a true new kid on the block. You know, fresh chain, fresh validators, fresh market participants, uh, fresh market makers on centralized exchanges. Oh, the most important one. Fresh drama. <laughs> of course, you know, we in the cosmos we we have too little drama. We we always need a little bit more. Um you ever you ever been to one of those basketball games where they have like the, the loud meter? Like the someone shooting oh, yeah. the free throw in the game. That, that that's we need the drama meter for Cosmos. Someone's gotta make a bot that tweets out a little infographic once a day and it measures how loud the Cosmos drama is. If you'd like to apply for this shade grant, just let me know. Uh happy to make that happen. <laughs> I think that would honestly I think that would uh I think that would give everyone a little bit of a little bit of a chuckle. Um I would argue it's key, it's key public good. Too, yeah. Like I don't on any given day, I need to be able to go to a Twitter account and know how much drama is actually happening. You know, because Twitter, you know, the X algo might be not serving me up the drama, and then I I, I got to know that I got to go find it. Yep, we, drama aggregators. That's uh, that's going to be a new product that comes out for Sia. Yep. So the situation for Tia is a little bit different, um, seeing as the the major introduction of new supply for Tia has been through this original airdrop you know we also have tia rewards for stakers and validators um but you know I, I come back to this original uh thought that i mentioned about fina as whales look to start or continue building their positions during price discovery it's increasingly important that these individuals are guaranteed their right to digital privacy and DeFi. um and obviously looking at tia versus dydx we've seen a much more price appreciation in TIA than we have DYDX. And so I imagine for these participants who are building a position in TIA or looking to uh, start a position in TIA, this ability to preserve uh, the privacy of your balances 
um, you know, your, your starting positions um, is increasingly important. Uh, again, this makes me go back to uh, the early days of Ethereum, not saying that Celestia will ever get as big as Ethereum, but if you have, uh, you know, if you're expecting any sort of uh, similar growth cycle to happen with Celestia um, relative to Ethereum, you'll be able to see the value, or at least, you know, from my perspective, you'll be able to see the value proposition of being able to have those encrypted balances. Um, and so I, you know, the, again, like I said, this is, this is kind of my first time of being able to go through a full cycle and see some of these assets truly uh, take off in a spectacular fashion. Um, and as, yeah, so I, I guess I'm curious. Like, if anyone if anyone has any thoughts on this, uh, feel free to feel free to come up here. But like, I can't help but think about the fact that users who want to, whether you're looking to just like maintain private balances, like keep your tokens on secret network wrapped in privacy, or you're looking to put those assets to work in DeFi in a privacy preserving way. Um, I mean, there really is no better option uh, than Shape Protocol right now. And, you know, I don't want to talk too much about upcoming products, but, um, you know, the ability to potentially use TIA as collateral, once we've seen a little bit more uh, price discovery, ability to have TIA available in private borrowing and lending markets, uh, being able to earn additional single-sided yield on TIA. Um, while still maintaining these private balances, transaction histories, your private DeFi interactions um, is going to be incredibly powerful. Um, so I don't know if if you have any thoughts on like Celestia in general and like the value of uh, you know the value of these this privacy preservation uh, for some of these newer um, for some of these newer tokens. I think I think right now Tia represents the largest cap asset that like newer large cap asset that we uh supported on shade swap and if i'm not mistaken we uh, we might have been the first decks in the cosmos no nah, i don't think we're the first i want to say I, I, think, I think we've usually been second i think osmosis is usually yeah first for most of these but we've been a, we've been a close second um i think celeste is really interesting with the data availability layer work and I, I think it's just going to be fascinating to see who they actually you know, onboard into the ecosystem there's a lot of capital of course invested into it as a project and uh, i think dydx celestia cosmos hub it really speaks to the ever-growing cosmos ecosystem and i think we've kind of gotten over the hump there was a while in there where it felt like layer two ethereum was eating the world and it's all people talked about but uh, i think some of these giants emerging in cosmos and transferring into cosmos is, is super super exciting and i think like dydx is going to be such a cool product to be able to seamlessly interact with um just with all the DeFi that already exists there and to be one ibc connection away from osmosis and from shape protocol um so it's like it's like a super it's like a super mall you know, we're we're all we're all in the same all in the same building, um, and I can go from the the clothing store to the restaurant just seamlessly. And I think the it's I think what's also going to be interesting is like these products that build on top of 
multiple chains using IBC, like products that, all right, we're going to leverage this component of DYDX, this component of osmosis, and this component of shade. I think those type of like multi-chain products that emerge, that narrative hasn't even really started yet. Um, but I think that's going to be the next like billion dollar wave in like, if I, you know me, cause like two years ago, I was starting to like a year and a half ago, I started talking about like liquid staking tokens before they like really took off in Cosmos. I guess like my next narrative that I'll just call out here that I'm front running is those type of multi-chain cross-chain like DeFi power user products. And I think we're at the earliest stages. So we've, we've been going for a little over 30 minutes. I do want now that we've kind of established uh, this relationship between market participants, um, you know, those looking to buy, sell, trade, um, and those who are earning and introducing new supply into markets, kind of want to talk about how shifting market dynamics, um, you know, as we see sh surges in prices for tier one assets, um, you know, I I'm really interested in talking about how uh, DeFi protocols react to shifting market dynamics. Um, and if you look at the primary pairs on ShadeSwap, you'll notice that the predominant pairings include Silk, which is a floating peg stablecoin. Um, and while the floating peg does provide some interesting opportunities for liquidity providers um, involving particular assets like Bitcoin and ETH, um, as these will have a little bit less in permanent loss than other volatile assets, most LPs um, will generally run a greater risk of impermanent loss when pairing with stablecoins during market turnarounds from a, from a bear to a bull. Um, and for anyone listening, you know, the IL I'm really talking about here when pairing with stablecoins can be thought of as uh, during a market turnaround where we're going from, uh, let's say, a bear to a bull. Um, you know, that IL is in the form of like slowly dollar cost averaging out of your volatile asset. Um, you know, slowly rotating any profits and price appreciation from this volatile asset into the stablecoin. And similarly, when pairing with stablecoins during market downturns, uh, you know, market participants can think of uh, can think of impermanent losses, slowly dollar cost averaging into the volatile asset. As the price goes down, uh, you'll have slightly less stablecoins in your LP position and more of this volatile asset. Um, and, you know, as we can, as we continue to see what seems to be a market turnaround. Um, I'm curious, Carter, from your perspective, if, if you expect users to start changing their approach towards yield generation on DEXs. Um, and I, I mean, I think the, the obvious answer is yes, but maybe a better question is like, how do you think Shade is poised to be able to respond to this change of market conditions, whether it be, you know, uh, a more immediate change or something uh, in the future? Oh man. Um I mean I think the immediate conclusion of a of like a bull market with LPs is they want they expect there to be more volatility. So they want to find a way to align themselves with that volatility in a way that's profitable. Um and so Shape Protocol, because we were very focused on like the stable coin, the volatile asset paradigm, uh, it's definitely less volatility exposure, but I would argue it's very predictable volatility exposure. Uh, so I think there's definitely folks that view it as kind of like a dollar cost averaging technique of like, okay, like if this asset moons, I'm like automatically locking in the profits because the stable coin portion of my LP token is growing. Um, so I, I think 
our liquidity pools are going to attract that type of long-term focused investor that's using the LP in that capacity. Um, I think naturally there's going to be folks that want more shade pools instead of silk pools, like a shade to BTC pool or a shade to ETH pool. Um, but we've talked about this a lot, Red. It's very interesting. Like just because an LP wants a pool doesn't mean it's actually necessarily good for the protocol to provide that pool. And like ultimately what matters is what's driving volume and what are traders actually trading across, right? So how, what, what do you think about the balance between those two ideas? Like how an LP has maybe a different set of incentives from a protocol and like how do we find the balance between those, those two ideas? Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, you know, this kind of brings me back to the conversation we were having uh, yesterday about the value of uh, yield-bearing assets. Um, my, my first thought goes to one of the best ways that Shade Protocol uh, can respond to uh, positive changes in, in market sentiment and turnaround for uh, pricing of some of these volatile assets is being able to pair against uh, other yield-bearing assets, right? We've seen liquid staking derivative adoption um, and, and exposure continue to expand across all ecosystems. Um, you know, Ethereum and Cosmos are some of the, we'll say, more well-known ecosystems where liquid staking has, uh, you know, seen a greater amount of adoption relative to let's say the total supply of uh, liquid staking uh, in general. Um, and so I think, you know, you mentioned the ability to pair against uh, shade as this volatile asset. Um, you know, this does represent uh, an opportunity for users to have more volatility exposure. Um, but I think from a rational economic actor's perspective, um, that volatility exposure and your yield generation potential um, is you have a higher likelihood of uh, positive outcome with yield uh, yield bearing assets, and so personally, from my perspective, I think like D shade pairings are going to be really important when it comes to uh, when it comes to providing, let's say, that uh, max volatility exposure while also trying to maximize uh, your your yield generation capabilities. Um, you know, D-Shade is going to be this liquid staking derivative for shade that's accruing um, or auto compounding this real yield that is going towards stakers. Um, and then that can be uh, pulled against assets like uh, wrapped STE. Um, you know, Somalier has uh, the ability to, um, they've got a whole bunch of different yield bearing assets uh, that they support and they've seen some really incredible growth. So you could even have yield bearing assets for Bitcoin. Um, you know, for some of these, what would be considered a bit uh, harder to access, uh, or you could have access to what could be considered, um, you know, le less available uh, assets in DeFi like Bitcoin. You know, most people are thinking about, uh, I guess, historically, ETH uh, and ETH liquid staking derivatives, a yield bearing ETH. Um, has seen greater adoption than yield-bearing Bitcoin or wrapped Bitcoin historically. And so I think, um, and you know, we've seen this play out in the, the Cosmos ecosystem with the adoption of wrapped STETH and, um, and the usage of wrapped Bitcoin and DeFi in general. Um, and so, yeah, my, my first thought is, you know, 
pairings against uh, liquid staking derivatives for Shade and Stake Secret um, seem like natural fits uh, to provide that optionality. I think on the protocol side, we have to be able to uh, make sure to balance that with uh, changes in emissions. You know, we want to be able to continue attracting depth of liquidity uh, for traders. And like you mentioned, you know, we're, we're most concerned with supporting pools where volume uh, is happening. And so taking a measured approach towards uh, starting up these new pools, um, being able to kind of watch where users are uh, primarily trading in, um, you know, each new pair that you add adds, you know, extra fees. Like, let's say you're going from, like you have wrapped STETH and you're wanting to go to uh, Stake Secret, right? Uh, currently, you'd either go wrapped STETH to Silk and then Silk to Stake Secret, or if there was a D Shade pair, um, then maybe it would be wrapped STETH to D Shade and then D Shade to Stake Secret. Um, so, you know, understanding like what assets people really want to trade and uh, the most op optimal routes that we can create for these types of traders um, is you know really important uh, consideration when, when uh, thinking about starting some of these new pools. I know it's uh, I know we've had a lot of people <laughs> chomping at the bit to get access to D Shade and. Um, I, I recently put something out in our Telegram uh, that you know we're we're somewhat blocked behind this one last little thing, and uh, then we'll be able to get D Shade available on Testnet, uh, allow everyone to play with it, and then you know in short order we'll be looking to bring that to mainnet. Um, yeah, I'm curious sure. about what you think about the introduction of D Shade and and the the difference in yield generation opportunities that provides for uh, for Shade holders, and then holders of some of these other yield-bearing volatile assets. Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing I'd say is, like, we have so much stuff in development right now, right? You have the DowDow governance under development. You have the world's first private money market, <laughs> like, all, like essentially in development on testnet right now. Uh, you have Finna debit cards, prepaid debit cards, compatible in Europe that's getting integrated in-app, so you'll be able to literally top up a debit card with silk and use it in Europe, right? Um, we have DShade under development. We have Analytics V2 with the API under development. We have the liquidity order book also under development by a different team. And we have a perpetual swaps hackathon in motion right now. And there's technically two other pieces of puzzle that aren't even like publicly announced that are I'm, I'm working on right now too. So like whenever people are like, oh, like, you know, just shift D-Shade. It's like there are so many different teams and individuals working on different projects. Um, and I think, so, so like from, from my perspective, D-Shade's really like a security hedge. Uh, like it's, I'll talk about the DeFi utility portion, but first I'll talk about the security hedge. Um, essentially like, you like, look at Ethereum and they have, you know, Lido um, taking up like a large percentage of, of block production. and in Cosmos, you have things like Stride. Um, and these have like a lot of long-term implications for the security of the protocols that they acquire a large stake in, right? They're, they're huge governance influences. And they provide a very useful utility in the form of yield-bearing asset. But the governance side of things, I don't think those risks have been actualized yet. Um, 
I think those risks become a lot more apparent like two, three years from now. And so D-Shade, in my opinion, is front-running other liquid staking token providers to protect their own security. It's like, imagine if Ethereum had enshrined its own staking derivative into itself, right? They wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to worry about like a governance takeover because Ethereum holders would just be governing a native ETH yield bearing version of itself. And like, think of the Cosmos hub, right? Like imagine there was an, a natively enshrined liquid staking token that was endorsed by the hub that didn't have a separate governance token. So before we were talking about the DeFi utility side of things, I view DShade as a natively enshrined liquid staking token to protect ourselves against any sort of third-party long-term security play against Shade. Um, and I think that's a very like patient perspective on it. That's what I'm most excited about. It's a security hedge, first and foremost. I mean, the second piece of the puzzle is, is D-Shade, of course, just like any other liquid staking token, is, is very useful collateral. Um, it's yield-bearing, and so as, as fees of the protocol go up, as we launch more DeFi primitives, as we acquire more users, staking yield goes up with it because 100% of fees buy back Shade, and then it's sent to the Shade staking contract. Um, so it's a yield-bearing asset that automatically compounds. This is super useful as, as collateral. Uh, it means in shade swap, you don't have to choose between staking and liquidity providing, right? Uh, you can do both simultaneously once we start launching these D-Shade pools. And then D-Shade can also be used in external money markets, uh, like hopefully things like Ghost one day, uh, once Shade starts to like hop over a certain liquidity profile tier. So yeah, that's my summary of it. Really good security hedge. The DeFi utilities are going to slowly come online. Um, yeah. Yeah, not to mention the again the the native the native privacy preservation of that yield bearing uh, position, sure. you know. Um, no, I, I I happen to find myself thinking about the value that D Shade provides, and I know liquid staking derivatives for uh, for for D App tokens um, have a different sort of uh, utility and security they provide relative to liquid staking derivatives for. Uh, layer one ecosystems, but with the expected growth and utility that Shade Protocol is seeking to uh, seeking to meet, and and you know, I I think we're well poised to be able to see similar levels of growth um, within Shade Protocol ecosystem. You know, this DeFi uh, ecosystem relative to some of the layer one ecosystems that we see in the Cosmos. Um, Definitely. Uh, the one one thing I would hop in and say, like even Stake Secret, the largest secret network staking derivative, it represents six percent of all bonded secret, right? And Stake Secret hasn't even left the secret network ecosystem, and it's probably like I think got to be the second largest staking derivative in all of Cosmos, and no one talks about it, right? And like Shade Protocol launched that product, and like I think in a similar sense, D Shade is going to be like massively huge just because of the amount of kind of like inner inner DeFi suite utilities. Um, but like, we haven't even gotten started yet. Like we haven't even tapped into like broader Cosmos DeFi suites with Stake Seeker and with D-Shade. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like we could go down a, a big rabbit hole talking about D-Shade, like, uh, you know, D-Shade parameters, like what sort of expectation for like movement of staked assets into D-Shade and, and the amount of liquidity that this will unlock, you know, one of the, I'll say one of the biggest, uh, I'll say criticisms 
uh, I think we field relating to uh, shade is that you know depth of liquidity is is still fairly low, right? And that's because users are considering the you know the opportunity of earning single sided yield with no exposure to impermanent loss uh, relative to um, you know the ability to earn yield through uh, through providing liquidity, but you know but having uh, this exposure to impermanent loss pairing with uh, pairing with silk. Obviously, we do have other pools where users can pair uh, shade with uh, other volatile assets like stake secret. Uh, but for individuals who want more of that pure exposure to um, pure exposure to shade. Um, the the pool I'm personally most excited about is D Shade Shade um, pool because users who want to both help increase the liquidity for Shade um, as well as take a you know very let's say pure Shade exposure, pure privacy preservation exposure um, can can do so in a way that doesn't compromise their ability to earn yield. Um, so that's something I'm personally really excited about. I know we have a lot of mapping out to do for, you know, what changes to liquidity profiles would happen on shade swap, new, new pairings listed. Um, but I just wanted to bring this up, you know, as, as we think about how the markets change, um, and the more, let's say risk on people want to be, the more risk on liquidity providers want to be, um, you know, it, I naturally start to think about like how can we help ensure that market participants have, you know, flexibility on their positions of choice as they want to go from risk on to risk off, um, as well as, you know, grow their exposure to real yield ecosystems like Shade Protocol. So, um, I'm I'm really excited about seeing the growth of uh, yield bearing assets within Shade Protocol, not only from liquidity perspective, but also like you mentioned, you know, for silk collateral for the for the upcoming private money market, um, yield bearing assets represent one of the best forms of collateral. So um, really excited for the prospects of uh, things like wrapped ST ETH, um, you know, the continued growth of that vault for silk, uh, and then also the introduction of that on our private money market. It's a good rundown. So much to come. So I've, we're pretty much uh, getting towards the end of this Twitter space. I'll go ahead and say if anyone has any questions or you want to come up and uh, just chat about uh, changing market conditions and, and potentially some things you'd like to see changed or things uh, adapting within the, the Shade Protocol ecosystem, please feel free to request to come up here. Always happy to chat with community members or people who are um, who have questions, want to want to chat with us we're always happy to do this um but understand that you know some people don't <laughs> don't want to chat on uh on twitter spaces want to preserve their privacy uh so can definitely uh respect that you know it's actually interesting like i feel like sometimes you know we're dealing with a double-edged sword like and I, i'm not going to go into too much of this but like Building privacy-preserving DeFi is incredibly powerful for users. However, it does pose interesting um, situations where when we're trying to field suggestions or we're trying to troubleshoot or provide support for new and existing ecosystem members, 
you know, we're we're promoting and uh, and encouraging users to take a more private stance on their interactions with DeFi, and naturally, some of that rubs off on people wanting to preserve some of their uh, digital anonymity uh, on social platforms. And so, like, sometimes it can be <laughs> sometimes it can be a little frustrating when you're trying to work with people. It's like, okay, what exactly happened here, or like. What exactly are you looking for? And it sometimes it's like pulling teeth to try and get the information that we need or would like. Um, but at the same time, we have to recognize like, you know, this this is, they're taking a good stance. They're taking a, uh, I mean, honestly, they're probably taking the stance that a lot of the builders within privacy preserving DeFi would take as well. Uh, we just happen to be... Um, such big fans of privacy preserving DeFi were were willing to give up a little bit of that in order to help others preserve their privacy. That makes a, sense. A fun, a fun story that illustrates this. Um, I was on r slash privacy because I you know I would say about once every two weeks I spend about thirty minutes to an hour just like restudying privacy material and just like the baseline ethics of it. And so I think I think I was literally just on r slash privacy, like, why do you value privacy, right? Um, and the top the top comment had all like the most upvotes said, it's none of your business. Oh man, that's perfect. <laughs> oh man, that's that that's uh that's a pretty fucking awesome response. <laughs> and, and I mean like it's it's true you know like we've uh you know i in you know in my role helping contribute to shade you know I, i've worked with quite a few uh new participants who are trying to learn the ropes of privacy preserving DeFi, understanding what they should do what they need to do uh in order to improve their um anonymity sets or improve their privacy posturing and um it's always interesting seeing how much of that rubs off on individuals and you know, going back to them, if they experience something, I was like, all right, can you, uh, would you be willing to share your transaction hash so I can like try and dig into this? And, you know, a lot of them, you know, aren't willing to. And, and, you know, from our perspective, we have to dig into these issues, uh, regardless of, you know, how much individuals are willing to share, but it's always interesting seeing the crossover from like, you know, some of these, uh, let's say older, more mature privacy projects like Monero users who are, you know, staunch uh, Monero supporters coming over to uh, Shade and, you know, seeing them really enjoy a lot of the utility and interoperability for these privacy-preserving assets. Um, but also they come with this uh, somewhat refreshing, like very staunch ethical perspective on privacy and what they're willing to share. Um, and I'll say even from, you know, our perspective as builders within privacy preserving DeFi, you know, it's always refreshing to be able to see that commitment towards like unwavering uh, privacy for individuals. So it's always nice, you know, we, t we take a lot from uh, other privacy projects out there. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, I think uh, from a marketing perspective and from like a community building perspective, exposure perspective, um, you know, I, I at least have learned a lot um, watching the recent run-up uh, and exposure for Zephyr Protocol, um, you know, being able to see what makes new users uh, 
like what what really attracts them towards some of these privacy uh, solutions, whether it be for uh, data, for um, you know assets, or you know something something else. Um, it's always interesting to see like what is it that entices new users into um, you know a, a privacy preserving ecosystem, and I think everyone in any project out there looking to provide a privacy solution gets to learn from uh, each other's growth. I, I don't think we can really say the same thing for public assets just because, you know, 99% of all projects out there, tokens out there are all public by default. But I think for privacy solutions, we actually have this really neat ability to learn and grow together because currently we're a niche part of the market, right? We're a niche part of DeFi. Um, and so collectively, you know, if one of us succeeds, then all of us kind of succeed because we learn how to increase our message uh, throughput. We learn how to better communicate with uh, the people who are looking to leverage these technologies. Um, and so I think that's an interesting dynamic. In, in I, itself. I, I agree with you. I think that's a great observation because it's not as if transparent DeFi or blockchains are taking notes on how to, how to tell the story of transparency better. but privacy protocols kind of have this unique challenge of not being the incumbent and being the, the vast minority of projects. And so um, telling the story of privacy is, is not necessarily the easiest or the simplest to do uh, in a way that's compelling. And I, and I think, I think not to like harp on this, but I think once again, most people's encounters with privacy have involved a lot of extra friction. Um, but I think if you can make privacy fun and valuable and simple to use, um, I think I think like the brand of privacy will start to turn around once once your privacy experience becomes as simple as HTTPS with that little lock in the corner. Um, once that just becomes the expectation, then, then I, th I think the game changes, right? But we're still we're still in that awkward middle ground where people are like, oh, I value privacy, but do I really want to go through all those extra steps? I just want to shake them and be like, go check out app.shapevertical.io. It, tell me how many extra steps that actually feels like because it's, it's seen so much improvement. I'm just picturing like you being on a call with someone like a Google Meets call and then someone mentions like, yeah, it's just there's so much friction and I can't do anything with my private assets. Just like shaking your laptop screen. Just be like, Dude, go please go check out this. It's app. the it's the you know ever seen the the goose meme where the goose is chasing someone like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's be, every time I'm on a call have you checked out the app <laughs> have you actually checked out the app oh man well Carter we happen to we've got uh oh we did have one person requesting um oh. but it looks like they uh they uh, took away their request so I was gonna say we could bring someone up if they had any questions um. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Like the, the, the folks I talk to, you know, in, I always feel, feel weird saying like in real life, because I mean, I'm talking to you, Carter, and I'm talking to everyone else here in real life, but like, let's say like person to person interactions, uh, talking with people about like just general uh, earn, earning opportunities, right? The, the ability to access global financial markets. Um, and then some of the expectations for interactions with these markets, it seems like new participants, like new people getting into crypto are much 
more willing to take that hurdle because they're unaware of like all of the other friction points, right? So for them, friction, moving into privacy, preserving DeFi, they, they might not know the difference between friction that is involved with onboarding into something else, right? From their perspective, they need to figure out how to use a new wallet. They need to figure out, uh, you know, what are the risks associated with interacting with smart contracts? Um, you know, you need to figure out, uh, you know, how to best uh, self-custody your assets. Um, you know, like, let's say uh, general OPSEC for self-custodying uh, your assets. And so from their perspective, like, there really is not a whole lot of difference in onboarding into Shade Protocol's private DeFi suite relative to, you know, trying out Uniswap for the first time or trying out Aave for the first time, right? The only real difference is like understanding, all right, I need a decryption key or I need, uh, you know, in order to do these particular things, I need these decryption tools. And we have over the past year, year and a half, we've done our best in working with the layer one to make this process as smooth and seamless as possible and and almost try and make it so that users don't even have to worry about this happening around happening in the background and if something does happen it's very very clear from the user uh experience perspective on what their next steps are to be able to resume this ability to view their uh encrypted balances their encrypted transaction histories allowances whatever it may be um so like I'm I'm personally really excited about the prospect of being able to onboard new users uh into crypto. You know, from our perspective, and this is I know something that we've talked about extensively on like roadmap plans for shade once we get to the point of uh well saturation is not the word I'm thinking of, but like once we build out, we'll say like the 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 largest uh DeFi products within um our suite, you know, where the plan is to effectively shift towards like almost a pure acquisition strategy. And um, I think there is actually value in us and I, and we are currently working on this. There is value in us really going after that uh, acquisition strategy as these markets are turning, like as we're continuing building out this uh, suite, we have a really, really solid opportunity to onboard these new users. Um, you know, when we first launch shade protocol the, the biggest things that uh users could interact with are the airdrop getting the token and then uh interacting with our liquid staking derivative for steak for a secret and that was like their exposure to privacy preserving DeFi. and then you know a year later we launched shade lend we launched silk we launched shade swap and now users have a little bit more interoperability they have a little bit more utility for their assets and private DeFi. Um, you know, as we continue to build out that suite of dApps and the next ones to come are liquid staking derivatives for shade, uh, private money market, um, you know, arbitrage vaults, uh, you know, private perpetual swaps. This, the the utility that we provide relative to other ecosystems will look, uh, you know, from surface level will look very similar. Um, you'll be able to access all the same sort of financial opportunities, except the amount of value protection um that you get from interacting with the shade dApps is is night and day different uh than these dApps and so i think that we have a really unique opportunity to be able to successfully onboard new users um and we just have to make sure that we're we're going after them well and it's been absolutely on hard mode too right because i think you know back in 2021 we kind of said to ourselves 
like what's what's the key building block of a DeFi ecosystem? And the answer was a stable coin, which is which is what Silk became, of course. But what we realized is that we really have to build all of it. It's not enough just to have a DEX. It's not enough just to have a stable coin. It's not enough just to have transactional privacy. To bring private, unstoppable, decentralized finance um, to the end game, to, to a place where people will turn their heads and be shocked, to build something that's you know 10 times better, not, not, not two times better. We have to build all of it. And we've been forced to build so many things in parallel. It's so gutsy, right? It's so gutsy. And I think that's always been the magic for us with Shape Protocol is we, we kind of embrace the fact that it wasn't going to be enough just to build one component. We were going to have to build a whole ecosystem, a whole set of things to prove the thesis. And if at any point in time we, we stop short of doing that, then I, then I think the, the magic would fall away. Um, I, there's, a, there's a tweet I, I put out the other day. There was like a, a computer scientist. I'm blanking on his name. He lived from the 1900s to, to 1973. And he said, if you have a really good idea that's truly novel, you have to shove it down people's throats. Um, and I think in a similar sense, like private DeFi is such a no-brainer. The way we're building it is actually truly novel. Um, and people just haven't woken up to it yet. And that's on us, right? That's, that's, that's on us because we haven't, haven't completed the product roadmap and, and we, haven't, we haven't told the story well enough. And so what I'm looking forward to in 2024 is telling the story better, being hyper-focused on user acquisition and distribution. Um, because we've built product for two and a half, going on three years. The problem very, very soon is not product. The, the product was the blocker for the first two to three years. Um, but very soon, the problem is more about the story. Um, and that's, that's going to be a heck of a challenge. And I think, Red, you and I both know internally we're, we're, we're up to the test. Yep. And it's, it, it's not even just uh, you know, user acquisition and telling this story to market participants. It's being able to tell this story to other DeFi projects, right? You know, we've been working extensively with other projects within the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, attempting to build liquidity and build exposure for these other projects, assets uh, within privacy preserving DeFi. And so, you know, part of this story is also being able to elaborate the value proposition to these other projects um, and be able to help build the case for building liquidity uh, within Shade Protocol, building utility within Shade Protocol. And um, the way that manifests with, uh, you know, addition market activity um, outside of, uh, you know, just stimulation from um, other projects is going to be really interesting. Um, and, and so, like, from my perspective, I, I really like the way we're approaching, um, you know, reaching out and building relationships, not only with users, but other DeFi projects, right? A lot of people think about DeFi being incredibly PVP. Um, and that may be true for, you know, transparent blockchain or transparent DeFi. Um, but I think with privacy preserving DeFi, we, we have the luxury, and I really do think it's a luxury, to be able to build synergistic relationships with other projects, um, not, not only in the cosmos, but you know, outside in other major layer one ecosystems. And that's something that I, I'm particularly thankful for because it makes working with other people uh, in this space that much more enjoyable. 
Um, we can be a lot more straightforward with individuals. We don't have to feel like we're, um, we have to keep information separate from other groups in order to maintain some sort of competitive edge. Uh, we're, we're here to provide utility for, for everyone, you know, privacy. I, I love the way you phrased it in the past. Like privacy doesn't care if you're trying to use $10 or a million dollars, right? Privacy is going to provide that fair and equitable, uh, utility for everyone. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm personally super like as a user myself, I think we stand a really, um, we, we have a really good chance at, um, uh, to use your own words, shoving it down people's throats. Uh, but I also think that we have a really, really good shot. And we've, you know, based on our historical um, interactions with protocols, I think we have a really good shot at continuing to build relationships with other projects in the, um, you know, in this space as well. Yeah, I love your point about that. It's, it's not adversarial to invite others into the world of privacy. We have the unique opportunity to onboard partners into something truly novel. Uh, you know, it'd be different if there was five other private DeFi suites running around the cosmos or running around crypto. Um, we have the opportunity to be literally the world's first private perpetual swap, the world's first private money market. Um, Silk as a stablecoin, world's first non-US dollar pegged private stablecoin. These are all world's first. Um, and it just makes it a lot easier to collaborate with people because, you know, folks don't have to worry about, you know, what are the alternatives? It's like, nope, like shades, kind of that weird city on a hill, weird Switzerland, neutral uh, privacy advocates in the corner. Um, but I think pretty soon we're going to go from being in the corner to being a hub for that precise reason that we are novel and we and we are first in many ways. I'll go ahead and ask one more time. If anyone has any questions or wants to come up and just chat for a few minutes with us, feel free to request. We'll bring you up. Otherwise, we will wrap this up here in just a few minutes. Appreciate everyone joining us today. Apologies for the technical difficulties. Uh, as much as I'd like Twitter to work 100% of the time, I think we all know that Twitter spaces are not 100% reliable. So I appreciate all the patience with getting this Twitter space run up, and we still had great turnout today seen a lot of uh, familiar faces and actually quite a few new faces um, in the audience today. So I hope everyone took something positive out of this uh, conversation. Um, and again, to reiterate, if you're interested in the value that privacy preserving DeFi provides for you as a user, I highly suggest you go check out Shade Protocol. Um, you can find it at app.shadeprotocol.io. Uh, we support a variety of different wallets, Kepler, Starshell, Fina, uh, we support native <clears throat> MetaMask, um, which I think we're still one of the only, if not the only non-EVM dApp in the Cosmos that offers uh, you know, full native support for MetaMask. Um, so highly suggest you guys go check it out. Um, it's going to continue to grow. Make sure to stay up to date with our announcements following Shade Protocol Twitter account. Uh, we've got two upcoming incentivized test nets that we're really excited to um, be able to get out in front of people, uh, one for D-Shade and one for the private money market. Um, so we're really excited to get those products in the hands of users and receive feedback on how we can improve this before we push it to production. Um, looks like we got one request. Uh, let's see. Bring them up here. Give me one second. Uh, let's see. Alex, welcome. 
Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, yes, I can. Welcome, welcome. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I joined relatively um, late to your guys' talk here, but I, and you might have already discussed it a little bit, but kind of just curious, yeah, what your guys' plans for the future look like when it comes to some of your, like, distributing some of your messages out. I mean, I, I see stuff on on uh twitter x now um from from the team and whatnot which i think is great but i'm, I'm guess yeah i'm just like kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are on that especially with like i have recently seen like a lot with like zeph and whatnot and just like a ton of people going crazy about that and it's just i, I think it's interesting so i think you guys are doing um something unique kind of similar in an aspect i mean it's it is different in ways and i think you guys probably have a better product overall um but would love to get your guys's like feedback on like some of the rise of that and what you guys are looking to do to to push forward into 2024 that's a great question um so there's like a there's a couple ways to come at this um i'll start with what can be done on the product side separate from the relational side um one thing that we're scoping right now is essentially a on-chain referral primitive and the concept is you would be able to send out referral codes um, to your friends and as they come on the platform and use the application um, you actually get a percentage of all fees that they generate on the platform um, and so we have an entire kind of like on-chain primitive that we think could massively unlock growth. Uh, you know, like traditional, something like Uber, you have like the platform, you have the driver and the rider. And in crypto, you know, you kind of have your capital providers, the protocols and the actual users themselves. But I, I think there's like a kind of a fourth distributed node that hasn't been fully embraced yet. And I call them finders, right? Um, so I think like this type of unique on-chain primitive could empower a world where um, folks could work full time by pulling in users to the platform and earning from the fees of the platform. So really, really big plans in 2024 around that type of on-chain referral primitive. Um, but that's that's from the product side. It's from the relational side, I'll pause here at if you want to talk at all about our strategy for kind of growing the micro influencer and larger influencer community. And any of like the relational approaches to to some of this? Yeah, for sure. I I think from Shade Protocol's perspective, we, you know, taking some of the some of the points of what we talked about today, some of the unique value propositions for Shade Protocol being, you know, the world's most mature private DeFi ecosystem. You know, the the user base we're trying to attract is is not specific to the cosmos. Um, and, and I would actually say within the cosmos, I think we have relatively decent exposure, um, to, you know, in getting our message out to ecosystem users, uh, whether it be, uh, Cosmos Hub, Osmosis, Kujira, uh, Umi, Mars, you know, any of these other really prominent DeFi applications in the cosmos, we, we've got relatively, at least from my perspective, I think we have relatively decent uh throughput for our messaging i think where we're going to see the largest amount of growth um is actually expanding that messaging outside the cosmos ecosystem um and that's not to say we want to throw away the value proposition that uh the cosmos provides obviously we we wouldn't be here without secret networks privacy preserving smart contracts and we wouldn't be able to provide 
the interoperability of these private assets without, um, you know, without the use of IBC. But, you know, if we look at where the most active user bases are in crypto, um, you know, our, our primary goal when we're talking about like greater adoption is going to be expanding our messaging out to those, um, out to those groups. And, and, you know, this is going to require a lot more than just uh, interactions on Twitter. It's great that people follow us on Twitter. It's great that people see our messaging on Twitter. But, you know, even if I just use myself as an example, I didn't get, I didn't join Twitter until probably six months after getting into crypto. My primary uh, place of engagement and interaction was on Reddit, right? Or it was on uh, other forums or, uh, or message boards. So being able to do outreach to some of these other really popular social media platforms, being able to work with, uh, like Carter said, micro macro influencers to be able to strategically uh, place our messaging um, is going to be really, really critical and important. Um, luckily, we have really strong relationships with a lot of the what you would probably consider influencers in the cosmos. Um, a lot of them are actually, uh, you know, prominent users of the shade protocol d apps um but you know just like with these influencers or, or more uh influential characters in this space you know their eyes are looking at everything right and so to be able to expect these individuals to just talk about shade or to just talk about the value propositions of privacy or um you know the chances of that are slim right and so being able to reach out to as many of these individuals as possible spread that message uh, really far and wide um, is going to be critical to maintaining some level of consistency uh, with the proliferation of um, our usage. So I don't know if that encapsulated everything that yeah. you're The only other thing I would kind of add is like I really view uh, the Shade team shifting more and more to the marketing side of things with the actual team composition itself. Um, I know myself personally, like we, I have a list of, I mean, we, have, we have a list, we have a list of large number of folks that I want to hop on calls with and help evangelize and retell the shade story one-on-one. Cause one thing we're finding is when you actually go and talk to the users, everyone identifies and agrees with the shade story, but a lot of them haven't actually checked out the product since 2022. So if I could speak candidly, their last interaction with Shape Protocol was like a really shitty airdrop from like a year and a half ago. So I think like within Cosmos, every time I hop on a call with someone and get them to open the app, they're actually blown away. So um, yeah, we're going to go guerrilla style. We're going to take as many calls as possible. We're going to embrace the concept of referral program. We're going to be embracing content creators, ambassador program probably as well at some point in 2024. Um, and yeah, I think I think those are kind of our, our our key key angles. We also need to improve like our evergreen content. Like one 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 feedback we've gotten um, from users that we've hopped on calls with is that the story of Shape Protocol is very thick, um, which is a really interesting adjective. But essentially, um, there's like so much going on on the product side that we need to like simplify the storytelling. So I think even a series of sixty second animated videos that you can that we can hand off to anyone that gets people excited, clearly tells the story without falling down too many rabbit holes about, oh, have you heard about asymmetric concentrated liquidity? Have you heard about the meta edge? Like words that like normal crypto investors and users don't care about, but maybe your like hyper power user will get excited about. I think we've let that terminology and that density propagate too high up our like content and storytelling funnel. 
Uh, and that's, I, I blame myself for that. Um, I have a propensity to bring too much density. Red, I would say you also have a propensity to bring too much density. So it's something that like we're going to have to practice uh, and, and make legitimate changes to our content storytelling. So anyways, Alex, thanks for the question. Hopefully that answers it from our perspective. Yeah, totally. Thank you for answering. Yeah, and I'll just add one last thing. Carter, you mentioned doing this, uh, I don't know if you refer to it as cold outreach, but actually talking with users about this, whether it be, you know, influencers, um, people we know to be, uh, you know, highly active DeFi users, some of our best feedback and as a result, you know, implementations of this feedback has come from talking with these individuals. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the, the goal we set, oh man, I was going to say six months, it might've been more than six months ago, but wanting to provide this native MetaMask, uh, access came from talking to users about some of their highest friction points and, and, uh, you know, interacting or having to set up a new wallet was one of those extremely high friction points. And so talking with users to understand, you know, what it is that, uh, entices them and, you know, on the flip side prevents them from interacting with, uh, different DeFi products is really key to understanding how we can increase our adoption curve. Um, so continuing to do outreach with users and really try and understand what it is that they want out of, um, out of these DeFi experiences is going to be, is going to be really important, uh, for us pushing the needle or moving the needle in the future. Essentially like every time you exit the echo chamber and put on the, uh, a hat of humility, a posture of humility, that's where real growth and change can be made from like a storytelling and product perspective. So our goal in 2024 is to do that as often and as frequently as possible. And one might ask like, why didn't we do that sooner? Um, I think, I think arguably when you're building something really, really novel, you kind of want to start with, with building in a silo, but there's, there, there reach like a tipping point where you, you need to bounce back completely opposite direction where it's almost like most of your time is focused on user feedback versus the start of the journey, that MVP phase, that first like year or two, I think it's like, it's truly novel. You kind of have to take the leap of faith on what you believe in because in many ways, users don't even know what they want sometimes. But then as it takes form, as it takes shape, then you need to really kind of reverberate back to, to that harsh user feedback and, and going from there. And I think that's the stage we're in. Yeah, really appreciate that question, Alex. That was a, it's kind of a really great way to end this uh, in this space. I know we've been going for a little over an hour and 20 minutes. We got some community members telling us to wrap it up. So <laughs> I think we'll go ahead and end this space. Uh, really appreciate your time today, Carter. Uh, appreciate you coming up here as well, Alex, to, to ask your questions. Really, really do love when people come up and ask us questions. It's, it's a nice, refreshing change of pace. Uh, relative to just communicating over text in telegram and uh and in discord on twitter so appreciate it um we'll go ahead and wrap it up here today appreciate everyone joining us today um it's been a great conversation hope you guys all make sure to follow the shade protocol twitter account that we can stay up to date with all our announcements with new uh products new pools new launches and any new uh information we're looking to put out there new educational content um yeah with that i think we can wrap it up carter you have any last minute thoughts to share your money your data your decisions
shade protocol. There we go. I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead. Uh, just so everyone knows it when I'm walking around. All right, guys. Hope you guys all have a great rest of the day. And as we always like to say, there's always room in the shade. Have a great day, guys. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality, stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken honest. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting notters, and then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over the impossible loss, it's all moss, and I'm liking the odds. Fond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers Drumming the streets, yo. We got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats. And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each. Motherfuckers, fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality, stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works. And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth. Sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Spaces.